1: Blog Talk Radio. Now, where the paranormal meets the sacred, and all topics in between, live from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, with your host, Shaw McCain.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to be an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. The call in number tonight is six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. And the Paranormal Sacred airs every Friday night, six PM Pacific Standard Time. And during the show I can take questions in order in chat or you make a call in with your question and speak with our guests tonight. Any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone will be promptly kicked out and uh just Please play nice and uh, don't bug me. Anyway, um tonight, today, uh the seventh to the November ninth, uh speakers are at the uh the summit in Arizona and a Skyfar summit. Let me let me just go through the speaker list. Travis Walton, Peter Robbins, Richard Dolan, Stanton Friedman, Kathleen Martin, Ben Hansen, uh Linda Howe, Christopher O'Brien, Tom Reed, uh Donald Schmidt and amazing Tracy Tormey and so many, many others, uh, it's it's just amazing. So it's going on right now, and there's also a way to get it on televised, but here's the information, uh, www.skyfiresummit.com. And it's in in Arizona, near the exact location where the incident happened that the movie Fire in the Sky was based on. So plenty of your friends are over there, so there's still time to get over there and visit for the weekend. And tomorrow at 5 p.m. at the Howard Martin Richardson Post, 539 4th District. The LAVFW presents a Veterans Day Ball. Put on your dancing shoes and come out and have a ball. Food, entertainment, and fun. They have an open bar. Dinner, dancing, and drawings. The address is 303 East Palmer Street, Compton, California. 90221. And That's our sister uh, VFW group and they really know how to put on a party. So For more information, call Antoinette at 562-794-4650 or you can reach your Antoinette Burnett at yahoo.com. And also tomorrow night at 7 p.m., top priority screening followed by a panel with producers BJ Davis, Juliet Davis, and Angelo Bertoli, that's Brittany Murphy's dad, for question and answers. And uh, for more information, go to www.serialinternational.com. And it's at 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. at the Veterans Memorial Complex, 4117 Overland Avenue, Culver City, California. 90230, it's next to Sony Studios, it's a very comfortable, uh, uh, place to go, and our guest actually tonight was, uh, um, was over there visiting us, uh, just a couple weeks ago, it was amazing, and anyway, 15 bucks to get in, if you want your book signed by Travis Weldon or Captain Solish, just make it, please go, anyway, a lot of fun, uh, StarWorks conference held at the Aquarius Hotel in Lafayette, Nevada, hosted by Paola Harris. That's November 14, 15, and 16, and you can refer to the website for conference registration and hotel reservations. And there's a wonderful lineup of speakers, including our own Yvonne Smith from Ciro and our guest tonight, Grant Cameron. And for many, much more information, contact www.starworksusa.com. Now, on the 23rd is our regular Zero support group meeting for people they have issues with abductions from UFOs and aliens and things like that. Anyway, it's an awesome group, close knit, and uh, we don't tell if you don't tell. But anyway, the lo- secret location is Huntington Beach, California. And then December thirteenth, something we've been waiting for all year: zero International national holiday party aboard the Queen Mary. Now everybody, uh, go! If you're you're in town, please come up. So we have to have the money in though by the end of. Uh, by November 28th, actually. So it's going to be on the Long Beach uh, Haunted Queen Mary, 7 p.m. Please contact Yvonne Smith for your reservations. Dinner is a little bit high, but, you know, for the holiday, it's such a beautiful, romantic place. I'll be all alone, but I will be with my friends. But anyway, bring a present for the gift exchange. The suggested 25 bucks or more, because you don't want to bring a cheap gift over there. Now, come on. Well, oh, anyway, it's the party of the year, so you can also find more information on www. This week, I just am totally amazed by our guest tonight. He's been on a show before, and we really welcome him back. He has so much information for us. And I want to welcome our guest, Grant Cameron. I'm going to tell you something about Grant Cameron. Grant became involved with ufology as the Vietnam War ended in May 1975 with personal sightings of an object that locally became known as Charlie Red Star. The sightings occurred in Carmen, Manitoba, about 25 miles north of the Canadian-U.S. border. This led to a decade of research into the Canadian government, extensive UFO investigations that took place in the early days of modern UFO h- history. Very interesting. Okay, then here's one of the 40 witnesses that testified in front of six ex-senators and the congressman of Washington for the city since hearing U- for the UFO on disclosure, UFO disclosure. Sorry. He has interviewed by nearly 100 radio shows, including a number of appearances on Coast to Coast. He just had one on there. And Cameron co authored a book, Government Cover Up, called UFOs, MJ12, and the Government, which is all such an interesting, endlessly interesting to me topic UFOs Area 1 and the Government informants, and which was for, for a period of time the number one UFO on, uh, books on Amazon. And you can go to Grant Cameron on Amazon, all his stuff shows up. so uh, please buy it from there. And he's got, uh, He's preparing five books, Alien Invasion, the Story of the Biggest UFO Flaps Ever, the Alien Bedtime Short st- Story, and the Canadian Government, a UFO story, and the Presidents and UFOs. And I think we're talking about that tonight. And a book on the alien influence of modern music. This is a, a mental uh, phenomena that actually, uh, his theory is actually, to me, not only interesting, but I think it's true. I've really thought about it since we have had him on, and I realized how much uh, music influences us, and it changed our, it, it just put on a song, it'll change your mood immediately. So anyway, his website is www.pres- www.presidentialufo.com. Anyway, I think I see him. Let me see. I think I see him. Hello, is this Grant?
1: This is...
2: Hi, Grant. you hear me? How yeah, you Yeah, I can hear you perfect. I'm doing really, really great. I'm sorry I Never missed you the last question, Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm so excited because I, we where we last left off, so many millions of things have happened since then. You know, because we were talking oh, about yeah. how music influences everything and everything else. So uh, mm-hmm. we welcome you to the show tonight. We're live on the Paranormal and Sacred.
0: Beautiful. I'm, I'm glad to be on, and I'm uh, glad that you uh, are interested in the whole consciousness and music type thing, because that's. Uh, I'm getting more and more convinced that's where it's at. It's all about uh, consciousness, which is basically reality. It is all there is. Is consciousness. If you want to understand the UFO phenomena, you have to understand reality, and everything in reality goes through your conscious your consciousness. So. You get down to figuring out what consciousness is, you figure out what reality is, and the, that's what I found, is when I suddenly took that road, suddenly everything started to fit together, and, and uh, I've described it to some people recently, it's like a, a, a waterfall on steroids, just uh, the amount of material that's coming, and the ideas, and how everything fits together, once you get on the right track, is uh, phenomenal.
2: You know, I would notice that there's also uh like uh, people are calling it the thinning of the veil. I'm noticing that uh everybody's coming together and each person has a special piece of the puzzle. And I'm noticing yeah. we're we're getting it doesn't matter how far away they are from where you are, you're gonna run into them. You know, and it's it's yeah. uh it's a lovely feeling of meeting your brothers and sisters. That's the way I feel about it. And I'm quite surprised by how much it's giving me in this last part of my life, you know, that how much uh um I don't know how to explain it. It's Well you know it's happening to you.
0: Yeah, and it it's kind of uh interesting because if you actually look at we've always sort of uh sort of cried the blues in the UFO world that people don't treat us here properly and you know all this kind of stuff. Uh but when you when you look at people that are criticizing you and you look at how they live their life and what they do you basically see they'll have you know dinner parties or whatever where the basic conversation at the dinner party or the cocktail party is people who aren't in the room. So people are either talking about other people who aren't in the room or they're living their life through sports or through other people. And so you look back at our field and relationships that we have inside the field, you know, talking like you and I are talking, where you're basically mm-hmm. talking about life itself. There's no gossip. There's no... Uh, there. You can either talk about... Um, other people, you can talk about things or you can talk about ideas. And in the UFO field, I find uh, no matter what people will say about us, majority of the conversations that are taking place are about life, they're about uh, reality, and they're about what really counts in life.
2: Really, it's um, it's just so uh, amazing that um, I, I, I was really a sufferer from being abducted all the time, all my life, and I was very traumatized by it. And then there came a turning point where I just came out of the closet. And ever since then, that was two years ago, ever since then, um, I've was going to I've been going to Ciro since uh, it started, 21 years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, I was like one of the first early members. But I really didn't go uh, out because, you know, of my work and all that. And then after about two years ago, I stopped caring what people thought. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's happened to a lot of people recently, like, Okay, am I living their life or am I living my life? And you know what, their life is pretty boring. You know, I lost interest <laughs> exactly. in, in pleasing them. <laughs> I lost interest in pleasing them. Something happened to yeah. me. I don't know what happened, but I sure like yeah. it on this side, and it's real yeah. and, then, and it's you not can, made up. But. Yeah,
0: and you can you can see that 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 things are turning. Um, I, I'm not sure whether you're part of the free group or have, have know anything about them. This this group that's just recently formed has. Edgar Mitchell on the board and uh, 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 former head of astrophysics at Harvard University and, and very prominent people. Um, the, the, you, you take a look at that and you take a look at what Ciro started. I mean, Ciro was sort of a, uh, by itself, just sort of a small organization and now this this is everywhere. Uh, we have our own experiencer group in Winnipeg and uh, you can see that it's basically turning around and the way uh Ray Hernandez who was uh runs free, who started free, uh, he contacted me before he started this group and I actually uh he is kind of a funny story, he came to a lecture that I was giving in Florida. It was the only uh UFO lecture he ever attended and I was talking about consciousness and three days later he had this sort of download experience on the uh Miami freeway where he's basically told to go out and form this group. Uh he sees this video like uh, Wheel of Fortune where uh, he sees all the components: ESP, uh, consciousness, and uh, near-death studies, and uh, abductions, and everything t- that fits together. And he sort of g- is given this sort of a—he calls it an ET telegram—to go out and do this. And he basically starts and forms this this group. And he basically refers to the situation, which I think is true, is like we are uh, like the uh, gay movement of the 1960s, sixties. We're, we're all sort of we're in the closet. It's like a we're like the the gay rights movement, and everybody's hiding and now you can see people are starting to come out, and that's what started with Ciro, and now this has gone around the world where there are more and more of these experiencer groups and people who are basically coming out, and uh, I was really surprised, I mean, even in my area, because I often tell people that when I first started, 1975, and that was the same year Travis Walton had his abduction experience, uh, people sort of, uh, I find, sort of twist ufology and put, everything that happens now back in the old days, like it's, it's, everything's always happened. And what I think people have to realize is that it's not the same world, that the UFO phenomenon is changing. And I believe it's the aliens who are doing it. They're basically changing the scenario as they as they go along. And the, and different things happen in different years. So back in 1975, there were really no abduction cases. There was uh, Betty and Barney Hill, which was public in 1966 mm-hmm. in their book. There was uh Shermer, who was this police officer in Nebraska, and then there was the Pascagoula case in 1973, and then Travis Walton really became very popular, and I believe it was because the aliens took them for five days. The aliens wanted this out and public, so instead of keeping them for two hours, they kept them for five days. This story went viral, but in 1975, it was basically just sightings in the sky. We were you know, chasing lights around in the sky, and we had a lot of UFO landings, which don't occur anymore. We had landing trace cases, which basically are, are, are a thing of the past, but uh, so you can see that now um, things have changed and back then there was no experiencer groups there was really nobody coming out and saying that they had been abducted and I remember this is going only going back maybe 15, 16 months in the city of where I live Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada which is a pretty big city we had never really had a UFO group never really had any sort of um, uh, UFO organization and uh, one guy Eduardo, his name, set up this group, UFO group, and I got a friend of mine. and I said, "Well, let's go to this thing. Let's see what this is all about. I've never been to, never been to a group in Winnipeg. Let's see what this guy's doing." And I remember we went into the meeting, and uh, I was just shocked because the meeting there was 15 people in the in the meeting, and wow. Eduardo had people people go around the room, and it's like describe your experience. And you gotta remember I'm I'm coming from nineteen seventy five where basically we're just chasing lights around and uh right. you know, we got landing and they traces. Were and lights nothing. They?
2: they were little lights, no go ahead.
1: Yeah, we we just and thought sl-
2: there were stars in the sky or we didn't know if there were stars or if they're moving or if they're left or right. Yeah. We weren't really seeing yeah. real shit. But well okay, in seventy five I had
0: some I had some close up stuff. I didn't have uh, I like when I go to to uh a lot of the sky watches, people are talking about, you know, these like stars and planets and they're watching these things and I'm going Holy cow, man, you got to see some stuff up close. I mean, I was, uh, when I saw my stuff, my first two, I mean, they were right up close. There was no ifs, ands, or buts what this thing was. Uh, this was not, no, uh, I remember when you first saw it, nobody said, well, is that what they because all we did was we went out there to see what everybody was looking at. And so we drove around for an hour, and we're going, well, is that it? And we're looking at, you know, Venus and all yeah. sorts of stuff, and we're trying to figure out where the people. But when it came, nobody said, well, is that what it is? I mean, everybody just instantly said, there it is. Everybody instantly knew that this is what it was. So that was the, 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 the 1975 experience was just sightings. And so when I go to this meeting last year that Eduardo put on, uh, they went around the room with these 15 people, and then the one woman is getting these messages from aliens through his computer and uh, the one is is taking pictures with aliens in her backyard and uh, the the other one is talking about this abduction type experience and I'm going, wow, this is bizarre. And it was literally, when, when I count them up, it was 13 of the 15 people basically were experiencers. They were telling experiencer stories. And I'm going like, I know what the odds are. The Roper poll said 2%. Some people have got it as high as 15%. And this is basically the whole room. And I'm thinking like, this is completely different world than 1975. Now it's a world where uh, I believe people are being turned on. I don't believe this is random. I, uh, I have a, a theory which uh, I've lectured on a few times, which is basically that the aliens are disclosing. The aliens are basically uh, releasing this, bit by bit. It's sort of like an acclimatization thing that I believe the government mm-hmm. is also doing. They're sort of slowly moving us along because if you take a look um, I always refer people uh, abduction people or experiencer people that people have the idea because we really don't think these things through and when you think them through it makes more sense. If you think it through and you say uh, how do people remember their abduction experience? Like 85% of people remember it without any sort of hip- hypnosis or regression oh, yeah. or anything like that. And then you get a, a lot of people who start having bad dreams, like the Allagash, or the, these four guys from Alagash. Exactly twelve yeah. years after their event, which happened in 1976 and 1988, two of the people of the four started having these very bizarre dreams, which is very uh, weird that they both start having dreams at the same time. So the idea sort of has been sort of thrown out there indirectly by UFO researchers that you know the aliens don't really do it right; that they really don't do the abduction right. And they put people in the wrong cars, and they uh, the regression starts to break down, and people start to remember, and then they go for help. But that doesn't make any sense at all, because if you take a look at some of the, the people who've done uh, abduction research, regression, like Yvonne or Hopkins or Jacobs or people like this, they will say that the abduction experience goes back to at least 1900. And so if the aliens were doing this improperly, if they weren't just properly uh, you know, regressing people, the vast majority of the people that would remember what happened to them would be between 1900 and 1961 when Betty and Barney Hill happened. Nobody remembered anything. It, they had it completely sealed off, and then suddenly Betty gets Betty and Barney get uh, abducted. Then you get the, the Shermer. Then you get Pascagoula. Then you get this five-day abduction with, with uh, Travis Walton. Then in 1988, uh, Whitley Strieber releases the book Communion, that a lot of people will describe the fact that when they saw the book that cover of the book, they knew they'd been yeah. abducted, and there's just it just sort of exploded. And so, the, the, when you look at the facts, what actually seems to be going on is that everything was re- repressed, and at one point, the aliens decided, okay, turn on Betty and Barney Hill, turn on Chris Bletso. Turn on, uh, you know, you turn on different people, and basically they're turning more and more people on. And I call it like you've always been abducted. If you're an experiencer, you've always been an experiencer your whole life. It's it's a lifetime experience. It may have been your parents. It's probably going to be your children. But the the, the there comes what I call the awakening experience, where suddenly you realize that this has been going on your whole life, and you have this sort of sometimes traumatic experience where you where you think it's your first abduction then you go back and you review it so i think that they're basically um, releasing this material slowly into the public and they did say this in 1967 the second major abduction that became public back then was this Shermer, this police officer in nebraska and when he did his regression he was talking to the alien and the alien said to him we want you we want you to believe in us but just a little bit and that's what the whole key is that they're not going to land on the White House lawn, they're not going to give you the whole story, they're going to drop little breadcrumbs and get us to figure it out for ourselves, to come to conclusion ourselves. So they're they're basically just indirectly doing little things and not giving us solid evidence, which is what, it, what you find if you look at one of the things that people today really don't know about, and that is angel hair. Angel hair in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, Flying saucers would fly around, and they would drop this angel hair stuff that would sort of come down, and it looked like um, like um, uh, spiderwebs, and it was white, and it would fall on the trees, and it would be all over the place, and people would pick this stuff up. And the key thing about angel hair, which doesn't happen anymore, is that angel hair would disappear. You couldn't, you no matter what you did with it, you couldn't stop it from sort of just dissolving. It would just dissolve into nothing. You could do the analysis, figure out what it was but you could never actually keep, keep any of it. And that's the way the aliens are, are sort of doing it, is they give you like angel hair, they give you some, some material, but then they pull it away from you, that you really got nothing to actually sort of prove it. it. It's this gradual acclimatization that I believe is going on, and that's what happens with the music, and that's what happens with a lot of the people who are experiencers, is they're getting little bits and pieces of it. They've got, they haven't got the whole thing, and they're running around, they're talking, and so we, like uh, the gay rights movement of the 1960s, more and more people are talking. And at some point, there's going to be enough of us talking, enough people who are out there who are putting all this material out that eventually the, the most conservative elements in society will have died off or somebody's going to say, okay, that's it, give it to them. They've, 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 they've got it. We, we believe this is going on. And we're going to go over the, the, the hill. And then suddenly it's going to be acknowledged that this is a real phenomenon.
2: You know, we need. I think everybody like like you are chosen, able to present in such an intelligent manner, and you speak so clearly, and it's well thought out. It makes sense, and not everybody can do that. You know, because I'm kind of in my feelings. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I'm excited, but I'm scared, and all. And you know, it's hard for a lot of experiences to talk because we have agoraphobia, claustrophobia, uh, all kinds of problems. <laughs> we can't yeah. go in, we can't stay in, we can't go out either, but. You know, it brings yeah. problems because if you're an experiencer and they've been doing this, you know, you're, well, I've been an experiencer, it's been going on my whole entire life since I was a child. I actually was married very young, so I was in therapy, of course, by 19, marriage counseling, yeah. so, because uh, I believed in all the marriage counseling and help, and yeah. I was kind of advanced for my age, you know, so anyway, I told him about, he said, well, have you had any reoccurring dreams? I told him, "Yes, yeah. yeah, I have these big-eyed things that are taking me out of my house through a tunnel up into a metal ship. Yep. And I said it over and over and he had simply no reaction. And I, I think when I thought, well, that's weird. Like his reaction was like nothing. Because it wasn't mm-hmm. time yet. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so that and, and, and Go ahead.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, and yet today we have sort of a different situation. Uh, I don't know if you followed it on the internet. Uh, there actually, We actually had one of our experiences here in Winnipeg who actually got locked up, uh, was under a uh, psychiatric um, uh, investigation. This was last month, I guess it was. And uh, so uh, I was contacted by the intern psychiatrist and uh, said, uh, this, uh, this woman is talking about being an experiencer. Can you tell me what this means? So I basically said, I said, man, wow. you are in over your head. You do not know what you're up against. <laughs> I said, and I, I basically said you should talk to, to Leo Sprinkle. I gave him Leo Sprinkle's phone number. I said you have to get educated on this because uh, you, you have no idea what, what, what you're what you're up against here. And I uh, contacted Free and uh, Ray. From Free, wrote a letter to the um, to this uh, intern, and he w- I don't know how many letters he got, but he was inundated. And basically, they just said, okay. Nothing wrong with her, let her go. <laughs> and they and they released wow. her and basically said so we we've we've sort of turned this point. It was almost like uh, uh you know, they'd heard that there's this actual group uh with Edgar Mitchell, the six man the walk on the moon is is on the the board of directors and uh named off all these uh high level people that are that are part of this organization. And I said, uh, you know, she just uh is one of these experiencers and believes this. And they basically agreed with us. And they said, there's nothing wrong with her. Uh, We don't understand what the heck this is all about. But uh, she's not mentally unstable. And she's not a threat to herself. And they said, uh, you know, away you go. Have a good life. So things are starting to change. I think things are starting to to move around where, uh, even in the 1960s, the American Psychiatric Association uh, considered uh, gay to be a, a, a... an illness, a, a mm-hmm. mental illness. So, I mean, we were moving, and I think that's what people have to remember in the UFO field, that we sometimes can get very frustrated that things aren't moving as, like the way we want and aren't moving as fast as we want. And I always keep reminding people we are no different than any other social or political movement, whether right. it's gay, ri- or gay rights or the women's right to vote, which started in 1848 and they didn't get the, the right to vote till 1920, or African-Americans who, uh, you know, even when Benny and Barney Hill we uh, were abducted. There were still 10 states in the United States where it was illegal for a black to marry a white. Uh, so we, we have come a long way, but we have to realize that all these other social and political movements took years and years and years, and they had to fight their way through just because we think that our issue is a, an extremely important issue, and it may be the most important issue in the whole world, but just because it's important doesn't make it any more important than childhood cancer that isn't cured or anything else. Uh, we have to make the efforts and and push this whole thing. That's part of what life is about, is uh, standing up for causes, uh, making something of your life, doing something for somebody other than yourself. And that's what we have to do, is we have to move this issue along, the same as the gays the or the African-Americans or women when they got the right to vote. We have to move this along, and we have to do it. There is no messiah. There is no politician who's going to come and rescue us and and lead us to, to the promised land. The aliens aren't going to do it, and it appears the government aren't going to do it. They, it's left up to us to do it, and that's the way I think it, it has to be done, is that you have to this gradual acclimatization so that people don't just suddenly uh, realize everything they believed is suddenly wrong. It has to go gradually like uh, every, every other social and political movement, and we have a job to do, and I think we should be doing it.
2: Yes, I I totally believe that. So after that awareness happened, I just dived in. So it's been a different world for me ever since. But you saying that about, you really helped me right now. Because when you said that about the the therapist that locked her up and all that, uh, I was too uh, young to even think I would, uh, um, you know, that I would lie to that man. You know what I mean? I told him yeah. this is my recurring dream, and I told him all about these aliens and the big eyes and the whole thing. And I was only 19, and his non-response yeah. is good. Maybe because uh, he didn't say I was crazy or anything, but he didn't give me an answer either. So it stumped me for years. I don't feel stumped anymore. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you have
0: to. I think we have to realize with these people that they are where they are. Like sometimes people will get very critical, people who don't understand what we're talking about, or and and sort of look down on them. But it's basically everybody is where they are in life. That uh, I believe that experiencers are the most spiritual advanced people around, Uh, and it's the chicken egg thing. This I was doing an interview the other night where this came up. This chicken egg thing: are people uh, abducted? and then become spiritual, or are they abducted because they're spiritual? I would say they're abducted because they're spiritual. And that yeah. gets to this whole idea of the soul contract, which I say is one of the most important things that we have to resolve inside the um, the sort of the regression, uh, experience of regression work. That I say that in every regression, the question should be asked, at any point in the past, did you agree to be in this situation? And I know a lot of regressionists don't want to ask the question because they believe that is leading the witness but i say it's not leading the witness because basically if you are like if you you had marital problems for example if if somebody if you're a lawyer and somebody comes into your office and says I, I, this person is driving me nuts you got to get rid of this person you got to yeah, i mean they they they're, they're, they're threatening me they're they're torturing me they're doing whatever the first question the lawyer is going to say is hang on stop who the heck are you talking about who is this person? Mm-hmm. Is this your is this your husband? Wife? Is Are you co- living common law? When did you first meet this person? That is the number one question we have to to resolve, because when you resolve it, it all changes. And uh, the example I use when I lecture is the, the example of the Moody Blues. And the Moody Blues is a big band out of Great Britain, and a lot of people like their, their music. They had 50 million uh, uh, records, and uh, I if like I tell the story, is- you tell the story. Uh, Nobody really recognizes the story, but if the Moody Blues say it, they say, well, the Moody Blues said this, and they are quite open about the fact that in 1967, they had an abduction experience coming from, they were coming from Manchester into London, England, Uh, Mike Pinder, who was the lead singer for the band, was looking out the back window, saw a red light. Uh, told the other guys, look at this light, watch this, watch it. And they, they were all watching this thing. And then at one point, they decided to pull over on the side of the road. This thing landed in the bush on the other side of the motorway. And they. the next thing they remember, they were all sort of, they uh, scared. They got in the car, and they drove back, and they arrived back in London three hours late. So they knew, and one of the guys drew the alien. They knew that this was, the, later on, that this was an abduction-type experience. And they contacted Colin Andrews at one point. And Colin Anders is the guy who invented the crop circles, gave lectures in England, and he said that the two of the guys from the Moody Blues, Mike Pinder and the lead guitarist, came to him at, during one of his lectures and said, we'd like to talk to you after the lecture. And Colin says, okay, fine. So they went out for dinner after, and Colin said these two guys, Pinder and the lead guitarist, were going back and forth. And they were telling this story. Tell them about this. Tell them about that. And they basically said, it is our job. We know that we were put into this world. It is our job to put these lyrics about, uh, you know, move from fear to love, uh, alien lyrics. We're, we're to do this kind of stuff. We are to raise consciousness by our, our, uh, doing our, our, our music. And they said that they remember clearly before they were born, that they were in a round round ship, a round room at a table, and there was wise people there, and they were giving the instructions that you will be you will be guitar- you will be uh, uh, musicians in this next life, and that you will be doing this job. And then they described to Colin how they came into the world, and Colin said it was like, but they're going back and forth, so it's not somebody made up the story. They were both telling the same story that they remembered this very clearly. And that's what I say, is whether you're this story, and there's a number of other stories where this goes, if you get one single experiencer case that goes back before birth, then this is no longer a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. It goes over multiple lives, and it is a, a thing that, that you, uh, if you're an experiencer, you probably were involved with this kind of thing your life before, or you are an alien, or, and you have come into this world, and you have agreed to go through the, the river of forgetfulness, and you have agreed to be a part of a plan to raise the consciousness of the world on this subject. And I firmly believe that's going on. And I know in the UFO community, people don't want to go there. They want to stick to the physical worldview because they, this is we're sort of vetted to this physical worldview. We don't want to get uh, you know mysticism involved or religion or reincarnation. We want to stay away from that. We want to sort of look at the color of the craft and the size and the shape and the weight and what's it made of and stuff like this. But when you come right down to it, if the moody blues are telling the truth and Chris Bledsoe told this story and mm-hmm. there's a number, John Mack has a very prominent person in one of his books that tells the story about being in a past life and being involved in this alien thing. If it is multiple lives, then it, the, the whole thing about where they come from, what the crafts are made of is totally non-important anymore. The whole issue that we got to go to is what is actually going on here, and what is going on, I believe, is that we are at a point in our history where we have nuclear weapons, where we can destroy ourselves, we can wipe ourselves off, and we can destroy we destroy the the balance of the entire universe by what we're doing, and we are in an ecological crisis where uh, the experiences are all shown the screen when they're on board the ship about these mm-hmm. ecological disasters. And so we are at this point, and what I think, and just my opinion, but I think this is going to turn out to be true, that we all agreed to be a part of something to stop this, that we knew uh, before we came into this world that this would be a situation that the world would have to deal with. And we volunteered to be a part of this program to move this whole thing around. And that's what UFOs is all about. That's why they appeared in 1945. And I have, I have this book that's, going to, um, that's coming out that talks about Charlie Red Star, when I first got started in 1975. And Maria uh, Yude, who was a a former Japanese um, reporter, provided me with a photograph that's going to be in that book. And this is from a couple of weeks after the detonation of the atomic bomb. It's a photograph that was taken in in Nagasaki. It's one of 300 photographs that were taken by a guy by the name um, of Ed Rogers. Uh, Rogers' last name. Ed might not be the first name. Uh, but Rogers is his last name. He was a Marine who had come in. For, the Americans had sent him in there, and he had arrived in, in Nagasaki a couple of weeks after the detonation to explore. They were going to look at the, the damage from the the atomic bomb. And in this photograph, and a number of these photographs, there's flying saucers. And the one that we're going to produce in the book is quite clear. You can uh, very clearly see. We, we do the blow-up of this object over top of Nagasaki Harbor, And you can clearly see that it's a flying saucer. So we detonated the atomic bomb. And because of the entanglement principle in the universe, everything is entangled. It's a giant uh, hologram, the universe. Everything is connected. And once we detonated the the atomic bomb, the entire universe knew we had done it. And they all started to appear in mass. And uh, that's what it's all about. It's about uh, shifting consciousness, uh, moving us to the next level, and stopping us from destroying the world.
2: I, uh, yes, because, you know, in the past, we, I think this is all uh, amped up because in the past, we weren't able to destroy the world. We weren't yeah. able to destroy it to uh, push a button and wipe out a, a part of the United States. And we weren't able to dump a whole shipload of oil over on pristine coast in Alaska. We, these disasters, we weren't able to, to accomplish in the past. If it crashed yeah. something, I'll it be- was like a little boat.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, I can tell you two interesting stories that connect with that. Uh, one is, when you start looking at, and this is why I say, when you start looking at all the facts, you can see the aliens are, it's clear as day, the aliens are disclosing what's going on. Uh, if you took a look at the um, uh, the difference between an atomic bomb and a hydrogen bomb, is that atomic bombs, you cannot destroy the world. But when the Americans were uh, doing the the tests in 1952, um, with, the, with the, the, the hydrogen bomb, there was a, people don't know, there was a big debate inside the White House about whether they were, we should do this because it was so dangerous and uh, a lot of people, the president was not for the, the hydrogen bomb test and there was this division inside and that was exactly when the UFOs flew over the White House and I think this is a clear signal uh, not to do this and one of the stories that's always told is a story about Eisenhower oh, well first, first let me give you the one about the hydrogen bomb Uh, At the end of 1950, in November of 1950, uh, the Americans detonate the first hydrogen bomb in the Pacific. Exactly three days after the, the New York Times announced that they had done this test of a hydrogen bomb was the first case of a contactee. This is when Adamski and Williamson came forward and said, we have talked to aliens in the desert. And two strange things. People said they made up the story. Well, they got one thing right. They said it was done telepathically. Well, there was nobody in 1952 talking about telepathy. There's nobody talking, about, talking to aliens and that aliens are telepathic. So how did they know that the alien would be telepathic? All aliens are telepathic. So this happened three days after the detonation of the, of the hydrogen bomb. Suddenly, all the contactees start to appear. And the message is, stop the test. Off the atomic test. This is destroying the environment. This is destroying the the, the the universe. And you've got to stop this. It came right after the detonation of the test. And the American people really didn't know. And at the end of 1952, just after the the contact, he started to appear. The people inside the White House had a big meeting, and Truman was not in the meeting. He should have been in the meeting, but he wasn't in the meeting, and the people in the meeting, in the White House meeting, had agreed that the president had to go in front of the American people, and he had to tell the American people about the hydrogen bomb test that had been done in the Pacific. And he had to tell them that we now have, for the first time, the power to destroy the world. That's the difference between an atomic bomb and a hydrogen bomb. As soon as you got the hydrogen bomb, you have the ability to destroy the world. And Truman would not make the speech. He came out just before he left office in January of 1953. He came out and instead of making the speech that said we now can destroy the world with this with this bomb, I just want to let you know we've tested this bomb. He said we've done a, a test with an H bomb in the Pacific, and the Russians are responsible for all the unrest in the world. That's what he said. He basically walked around the issue instead of saying what he was supposed to say is that we can now destroy the world. So the, the, as soon as we can get destroyed the world, suddenly all the people get to contactees. The UFOs have been flying around since 1947. They haven't talked to anybody. As soon as we detonate the hydrogen bomb, suddenly, boom, all these contactees start coming and saying we've got these messages from the aliens. And the other interesting story that relates to this is the story I'm asked most about with the presidents is I'm asked about the story about Eisenhower going to Edwards Air Force Base in 1954. And people will say, well, he went there, he made this agreement with the Greys to uh, uh, get technology in exchange for abductions. And I say, absolute nonsense. Just, I mean, insane. I mean, you start thinking about it, it's absolutely insane. Number one, there were no Greys. The Greys did not make their appearance until 1966 when the book came out in Betty and Barney Hill. People always want to, that's why I say, people want to sort of throw everything in as if everything's happened back then. There was no discussion about Greys back then. And... What happened there is, if you take a look what really went on, the first reports came out two weeks after Eisenhower, this event, that said it was Ethereans. It was human-type aliens that he was meeting with, and that, that uh, there had been a, a, a relationship, a, a meeting with the, with the president, and people will say, well, he made a treaty with the Greys. And I say, think about it for five seconds. Why, If they made a treaty with the Greys, what if the Greys decide... They're not going to follow the treaty. What, are you going to take them to court? This is absolute nonsense. (laughs) They're not going to make a treaty with the Greys because you can't enforce the treaty. And the other thing about that is, are the Greys, because we're a war type and we've killed millions and millions of people, are they going to give us weapons in exchange for abductions that they can do anytime they want? They don't have to ask anybody. They've got the power to do whatever they want. Are they going to give us weapons which which we will then use to turn around and try to shoot them down? None of this makes any sense. If you take a look at the actual record and you see what actually happened, if it was a and and this whole nuclear message came out starting in 1952 with the hydrogen bomb, if you take a look at that and you take a look at the schedule of what happened, you will see that within a week of that meeting, February the 20th, 1954, within a week, the Americans detonated the first hydrogen bomb in the Pacific that could be dropped from a plane. And the, the test was done they they believed it was going to be a five megaton test. They miscalculated one of the ingredients. I think it was uh, this um, uh, one of the ingredients in the bomb they had miscalculated. They thought it was neutral. It Turned out it wasn't neutral. The bomb instead of being five turned out to be fifteen. They took the island. They vaporized the island that this thing was was detonated on. The two guys that were that were detonating the bomb were twenty miles away on another another island. Suddenly, they, were, they had radiation detectors around there. They were in a concrete bunker. The radiated, radiation detectors started going off. They radioed, and they said, something has gone wrong. You've got to get us out of here. They had no radioactive protection equipment they had to put bed sheets over themselves and if you look and this tells this whole story of what happened they had the bed bed sheets cut holes in the bed sheets and they went running out with this radioactive fallout coming down on top of them and the helicopter came and they ran to the to the pad they got taken off with the helicopter the wind was going in the wrong direction two of the islands that were in the vicinity were totally contaminated with radioactive fallout. They had to evacuate all the people off those islands. Those people are still, in 2014, still off those islands. Those islands are totally contaminated. The Americans have paid one quarter of a billion dollars, $250 million in reparations for the damage that was caused by that hydrogen bomb test. It went terribly wrong. So I'm saying if there was a a meeting between Eisenhower, it was with, with ethereans it was with ordinary type people and the message was don't do this nuclear test and he said get lost we'll do what we want to do Eisenhower told him to get lost they ran the test and it went seriously wrong they contaminated a a japanese fishing trawler and i believe one person maybe even died on that fishing trawler it was an absolute disaster and that is the message that you see when you start looking at it you see that the aliens are here and they're basically here to help us they're here to do stuff people will get this sort of evil alien type thing and I say that this kind of stuff doesn't make any sense because what you'll see if you start dealing with enough experiencers which is what I spend all my time doing now when I went to CIRA I said these are the most important people in the world these are the chosen people these are the people have the answer and I said you you can start looking at people once they go through their experience you start to realize that people are being downloaded inventions mathematical formulas Uh, they're being taught to levitate stuff and they're being taught to fly the ship. And so if they're here to take us over, to steal our gold or to eat us or whatever people think they're going to do, why would they be teaching people and downloading people with mathematics and doing all this kind of stuff that a lot of people are getting kind of stuff that show that they're actually here to help us. And that because we have a very fearful mentality, we run these ideas through our fear filters and we sort of develop these scenarios that they're like the Iraqis or they're like the Iranians and they're like the Chinese. Everybody's evil and everybody's out to get us. So I think it's a I'm much more positive about what's going on now. And I think uh I don't think we have anything to, to fear uh from the aliens. And I think that you and I and a number of people, you have your your met your 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 radio show You've probably had some sort of direction to do this, some sort of inspiration to do this. And I yeah. think it's like the, 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 we're all like chess pieces. You're a chess piece. I'm a chess piece. I talk to Colin Andrews about this all the time. And that they are basically just moving these chess pieces around on a, on a board. And they're, they're getting us to do our little jobs. And we're getting these little ideas to do this stuff. And uh, the, the disclosure is taking place slowly but surely. Well,
2: it's just like uh, coming awake. It's like you were sleeping. And then we slowly wake up. And it's it's so it's tolerable. You know, because believe me, I've done a lot of screaming and running, you know, so it makes it more tolerable when you're waking up to understanding. Um, you know, Robert Salas was involved with uh the the, miss, the missile thing and all that Head and uh, yeah. Few, yeah, and of course and um now the strange thing I just wanna say how things go together and uh I, the reason why I'm doing a radio show is because I was out you know, a couple of years ago. I was out in New Mexico. I was actually with uh, Yvonne Smith and everybody that was out there. And I was at one point sitting at her desk and helping her sell her book, The Chosen, and she has since uh, done another book. But anyway, um, sitting next to me was a man that I hadn't met before, but he was very pleasant and everything. He said, do you know who I am? I went, no, I don't know who you are. He said, well, I'm Robert Fowler. And I went, yeah. oh, who's that? <laughs> He said, do you remember yeah. the Montana Missile Range Press? I said, do I remember the Montana missile thing? I said, that was the first time, because remember, it was on TV. I remember when yeah. it came on, I was thinking, They're real, so after I don't know if T, right, but I was having amnesia at the time. But anyway, I said, your face is the reason why I, I actually gave it a thought that there might be UFOs. And this is even after being mm-hmm. in the ship and all that, I still had that blindness. It's very odd that more would be revealed is the answer to that. But anyway, then we find out, because we've had a couple of discussions, he's been on the show a couple of times. We were actually, were neighbors, and at the same time, we were being abducted. I was in Hermosa Beach, he was in Manhattan Beach. We're having the same experiences at the same time, the same year. I can almost yeah. walk to his house, from my house. I met him wow. in New Mexico. How could this be possible? That's what I'm saying. Bizarre yeah. to me.
0: Yeah, that's where you see that the aliens. You, when you that's what I say. When you start looking at it, you see that there's a lot of stuff that is, isn't coincidence. That they're, they're sort of manipulating yeah. people. I even say, you know, if you take a look that that they had the Muslim thing with the ten missiles going down, and then you find out that Robert Solos was an experiencer his whole life, then you say, well,
1: yeah.
0: they, they they actually had one of their own guys inside the the missile thing when they when they did this. It was almost like a spy type thing, you know, like we've got a secret agent inside the inside the other side as we as we unfold the plan of what we're doing. And so you gotta take a look and, and question how many people do they have in high level positions. If you take a look at Yvonne's latest book, this Coronado book, uh one of the this this whole deal was happening at Coronado at the at this resort and there was twelve people taken and Bill Clinton and the Secret Service were giving a a, a speech there on the Sunday. The Secret Service were there and then she gets this report that Bill Clinton was abducted as well now she has no way to prove this but you take, start looking at if they're abducting presidents uh then i mean they they have a lot of control over what's going on and two of the presidents i think that they probably did have experiences uh, experiences with uh because i believe that if you see a ufo you're part of the game uh this is not even yeah. not even random uh because when when they do the abduction uh, scenarios, nobody sees anybody being abducted. So, if the aliens want to clone cloak themselves and don't want to be seen, they aren't seen. So, when you see something, you're seeing it for a reason. I, I would say, well, why I've do you always have, have lights it, on yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. They have lights on it so you can see them. They want you to see them. You're intended to see Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and, and so yeah, you... this is what... go ahead. It's just sparking things off. Like, I was me and my, this is what I, we had, me and my best friend have been friends for over 40 years, so we've had a lot of strange experiences together. We didn't know what it was. We were out partying, yeah. and we thought it was a tequila. I don't know. We had a lot of odd experiences, but we felt also oddly protected. You know, we would talk about it, but we didn't really know what was going on. Okay, so we're going down to 405. This is, uh, let's see, 86, 85, 86. And it was there was a UFO in the slow lane where we were going the opposite direction. There was no way we could miss it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: it. It was so low, it was lower than a telephone pole. But it was imagine that going down the freeway, slow and low, coming right at us. Yeah. You know, and that's when we realized when we saw it, it did something to our brains definitely. We realized we'd been abducted together. That's what all that weirdness was about.
1: Yeah. Sure. Sure and oh it's yeah just it
2: right yeah Meaning, yeah
1: and
0: and it's clear I mean they they come in close and they come very in clear, clear. and, and they
2: come in close, yeah. and it was didn't have any sound, but it had an odd effect on us. We went to complete shock, and uh, just a coincidence later in the evening even helped me remember it. I remember looking out the passenger' side window, I said, that was so weird, I can't remember it, and I just went away, and then later yeah. in the, the evening. I met this guy, and he had my same birthday. And when that yeah. happened, it opened up my, my... whatever the block I had put on. And so we've been talking about it nonstop ever since.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's my, the thing. It's, it, it's the awakening. Sure. That That's what I call, like, these awakening experiences. They're just slowly turning yeah. people on. In in fact, I don't know if you were around when Carla Turner was uh, talking and Carla Turner was this uh, abduction researcher in Texas who hated the Grays. I mean, she thought the Grays were terrible type people. But she tells the experience of her husband. Uh, her husband and her were having these sort of, uh, you know, not flashbacks, but they were having a hard time uh, sleeping and all this kind of stuff. And he went, to a, he went to a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever, and she went to a person who's teaching her self-hypnosis and she tells the story, and you gotta remember, this is a woman who hates the great. She has no, she, they're liars, they're bad guys, whatever. And she's telling the story that um, uh, her, she was, she got some relief, but her husband didn't get any relief. So she said to her husband, she said, well, maybe I should teach you this self uh, self hypnosis technique, and uh, maybe it'll help you. And she said she starts with him, and suddenly, boom, he goes under right away, just instantly goes into hypnosis. And suddenly he's he's crying and he's and the, the aliens are doing something with his leg. They're ta- putting a, a scoop or they're doing some putting something in his leg or something like that. And the alien says to him, "It is now time for you to remember." And so that's what I think is basically you see this kind of things where people have these sightings is they're slowly turning people on, they're slowly uh, awakening people, and they're slowly getting the message
1: out.
2: Well, that's just giving the chills. It's just so. Uh... You know, it, it never gets old for me. I'm constantly shocked. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everything <laughs> is helping uh, because it just keeps, um, what do you want to say? It just keeps reinforcing what me and uh, many of my friends have been going through. It's an emotional thing for us because, uh, but as you get, str- because of the oddness of the whole thing, it's really strange. You know, so we have, uh, I was just thinking that uh so me and my best friends get abducted together all the time. So, And then we had the same dreams and stuff like that. And we had the oddest conversation. First of all, and some aliens came. And they're the first time that I ever felt friendly towards an alien. But anyway, she saw them too. I to called her the next morning. I said, i got to tell you about it. She said, yeah, I know the cats. And I went, yeah, the cats. How do you know? She said, well, <laughs> I was there. I went, oh, oh, my God, I remember she was there. Anyway, and then she said something else, which has been so odd to me, because when I have some of these dreams, I'm at a completely different house, but it's my yeah. house and i she so I told her I said you know we were at my house she said,, you have a, you have a house and I said, What does it look like to you? It's like something out of the seventies almost It's really nice. Yeah. I don't know if it's a Brady Bunch house or whatever, but <laughs> I do have other house and i was I was thinking about that tonight I was thinking. On some level, I have another house, because that's what I, they bring me sometimes. It used to be something different. we uh-huh. would bring me to college, to uh-huh. the screens, and then bring me to the conference room and everything, but now it's bringing me to a house. So wow. in the house, my my friend saw the house, so get this. So, you know, we used to be different people, and now I'm a, a counselor for, uh, for the Federal uh, Bill of Prisons, and uh, uh, I have a really nice office and everything else, and so I turned into the counselor, and she turned in to be actually working on the rockets and satellites for Norfolk, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: anyway, wow.
2: Anyway, so we have all these. So she won't let me talk about it, or say her name or anything else, because she's worried about her job, like I used to be. And anyway, yep. this what satellite she's working on now. What? She's it's she's working on a satellite. She had she could hardly she had to come over to tell me. That's how upset she was. <laughs> she said. Wow. The satellite I'm working on now specifically says it's looking for alien life. Wow. <laughs> so she hasn't told to shut up all this time. Now suddenly, she's working on a satellite looking for alien life. I said, "Well, did they look in my living room, or what are they doing?" Yeah, <laughs> isn't it peculiar? Yeah,
1: well, so that's the thing. It's almost like they're it. they're
0: they're they're placing these people in certain positions. And uh, I know of a number of people who are in hiding. Uh, they're one of the top neurologists uh, or um, neuroscientists in the United States is an experiencer. And she ain't coming forward. I, I mean, I found out her about her through a, a, NASA, a former NASA engineer who told me mm-hmm. and mentioned who she was and stuff like that. And I have another one who's a research doctor who's working on uh, an encapsulation method, which is actually in testing right now, an encapsulation method for viruses. So you'd have an age virus or cold virus or whatever that basically encapsulates the virus and then the virus dies. Uh, This guy's clear. And I've talked to this guy personally and his daughter and his wife I've had dinner with him, and he ain't fooling around when he's talking with me. This is clearly, he tells me about his experiences with the the Shining Lady and the aliens, and when he saw the UFOs and and the little ones and the big ones. And and, uh, this is like a top research uh, doctor in in the United States. So there's a lot of these people running around, and and it makes you wonder how many people are sort of uh, there and have been triggered and have been put into place uh, and... uh, it just—it's just unbelievable. Like some of the top people around—that's what I'm saying. Like some of the presidents may may actually be part of this. Jimmy Carter, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, uh, Clinton, and if you take a look at these guys who've had experiences, that if they've had experiences and if they are experiencers and, and have been taken, then we start looking at the fact that indirectly they are influencing policy at the federal government level. And if you take a look at Jimmy Carter, one of the main things that Jimmy Carter was doing is he, almost of half the UFO documents that have come out came under Jimmy Carter, that he was actually trying to get the UFO story out. So you see that he was positive to the aliens. And you take a look at Ronald Reagan, the main, one of the main things he did was shut down the nuclear weapon thing. His whole thing was how the world would unite if we were facing a threat from an alien race. And his big thing was to shut down the nuclear missiles. So that was exactly right down the alien path as well. So you can start to look at uh, how many people might be influenced by the aliens, how many people might be actual closet experiencers who are like your friend, who uh, are not about to come forward and who are in these key positions uh, where they're like Robert Salas, they're like spies on the other side and they're quietly doing their job and doing the job also for the aliens.
2: I wonder what she's going to do when I tell her <laughs> <laughs> You're really inside the fire, inside plants. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then many of us.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, you hear a lot of these stories. There's there's a lot of these stories about the fact that a lot of people in military, like uh military people that their children are involved. And then you get all these conspiracy theories about they handed their kids over to this program or whatever. But there's a lot of people inside high level uh um like whether it's uh, rocketry, NASA. I mean, Stephen Greer always talks about the fact that, you know, his relative that was involved in the lunar module program, putting the man on the moon and stuff like that. And you'll hear these stories quite often about how uh, these people uh, are are connected to the military. It's almost like um, there's a connection there as well, that they have these sort of plants inside the military who are doing these various things and that when they want to trigger it, because you'll, I don't know if you've had this experience as an experiencer, but a lot of experiences will come to me and say, I've got these experiences. I, I, this is going on and I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And of course, when they ask the alien, the alien always says the same thing. When the time is right, you'll know what to do. Almost as if that at any point they could flick the switch and all these people are going to get are going to suddenly know what they're going to do, and suddenly all these people are going to sort of pop out of nowhere, and uh, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Because a lot of experiences tell the story. I know I'm going to be doing something. Uh, I don't know what it is. Or people that are getting the mathematical stuff, they they'll say uh, stuff like. I'm giving these formulas. They show me this big screen. It's got a mathematical formula on there. I'm not interested in mathematics. Most of them aren't interested in mathematics. They say to the alien, you're wasting your time. I don't know anything about mathematics. Why are you showing me this mathematical stuff? And they always get the same answer. When the time is right, you'll know exactly what this means. So you get this whole thing that there's some sort of thing in the background that uh, most a lot of experiencers will say is going to happen. They don't know what it is. Some people think it's a big catastrophe. You know, it's a, you know, an awakening or whatever, but a lot of experiences are running around with this sort of message that something is, is going to happen. And a lot of people are going to get triggered to know what to do when that moment happens.
2: Yeah. Cause so that's how I up and started the radio show and people were so shocked. Uh, I was shocked myself and, I just started doing it. I actually couldn't get help. But I was starting to ask people that I liked that had uh, radio shows on Blog Talk or anywhere else the shows that I listened to. I actually couldn't find a mentor. And then somebody just said, just do it. So I just started doing it. I didn't know what style to do it. I didn't know anything about it, but I started taking yeah. classes, started producing it myself. I started, now I can do it. Wow. You know, and it's like nothing. I just do it, and I'm nervous and uh, all that, but it's really helped uh, me grow because I'm, I'm actually pro-everybody. I'm not against anybody. I've only had one site on here, and I'm, this is my like <laughs> 270th <laughs> like wow. show. And um, wow. it's brought a new dimension to what I have learned. You know, And I didn't know exactly. how to do any of it. nothing. Yeah. I didn't know how to set yeah. it up. I didn't know how to, who do you do, who do you talk to? Well, I couldn't get the help, but that's a good thing. Because I actually yeah. had to go to school and research and do all that on my own, you know. But now sure. I feel it's brought us all together and that loneliness factor isn't there anymore. I don't have that worry that I, if anybody else like this, you know, or, you know, because we want to give people a form where they're comfortable they can say whatever they want. And that's exactly why I created the show. So people can talk and say what they want, basically. Yeah. If they stay on top. it. Sure. And
0: then that's one of the key parts to disclosure is people will complain about, oh, you know, the media doesn't listen to us and the government doesn't listen to us. Basically, the future is the Internet. It is basically that you if you want to build your show, you can be like the next Washington Post, New York Times that you control and they can't shut you down. So you get more and more of these uh, shows like yours where the truth is being told and they can't stop it. And that's where the message is going to come out because eventually you can see it happening already. Newspapers shutting down, uh, major networks uh, shut, shutting down where they they can't get the and enough people to watch them. And people are going to the internet, and you you'll get people will say, "Oh, you don't go to the internet? Don't believe anything you go on that's on the internet." It's exactly the opposite. People go to the internet to find out the yeah. truth. They, they they do not believe that that garbage for a minute and uh it, you give it another twenty years where kids live on their cell phones and live on the internet where they will not uh they will not read newspapers they will not watch t v even now the young kids don't watch t v they they get their stuff over the computer they've figured out how to get free t v they've figured out how to do all this kind of stuff and that's where it is the 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 message is going to come through the internet through more and more and more blog talk radio shows where the message is getting out and maybe small audiences but it, it is getting the message which no government can stop. No matter what they try to do, this is the truth coming out and uh, uh, raising consciousness among the people. And when the consciousness gets high enough, it's going to go over the cliff, and everybody's going to know this thing's for real.
2: That's right, because you can't, because it's top people are saying it. You know, And it, and it yeah. takes a lot of effort to move, like you're saying, from fear to just opening yourself up to... Cause but what people don't realize is when you're hiding in this, that's where you have the most fear. Once you step out, you're going to get hurt. But then after the yeah. pain, but it does hurt because people are going to react very strongly, too. And yeah. you get rejected, you know, because my family were very odd about this. You know, and I'm just doing the show. You know, and uh, very unsupportive, not unsupportive. I don't even know if that's a word. But anyway just freaked out, and the same thing happened with my yeah. friends. You know, they kind of freaked out, and they say, just offhand, are you still enjoying that show? I said, yeah, this is my second year. And they look at me like they don't <laughs> even know me. Like I'm an alien yeah. <laughs> They gave me this creepy look, and I'm like, when people accomplish stuff, man, I jump right in with them. You know what I mean? Let's go, let's go. You know, I'm excited. I'm glad you did that, you know? A yeah. lot of people yeah. aren't your boosters. They're scared of you. And somebody yeah. asked me a question because he was having a problem with this. I yeah. said, well, so he, yeah, I don't want to say what he does. But anyway, he's one of the gifted ones like we all are. And I said, because yeah. you have become peculiar. That's <laughs> why. Yeah. <laughs> the outside world, you are now peculiar. So you yeah. have to get used to it. Yeah. You know, because you have it, to keep going on no matter what they say, how they treat you. You have to stand tall and just be strong and just be different.
0: You have to do what you've got to do. I mean, you've, everybody wants to be something in your life, and I consider you, you, and the other people who are doing the the, sh- the radio shows, the most important people in the in this whole thing because that's where the message is getting out. And you never know who's listening to your to your radio show. I mean, that that's one of the things about uh, this whole thing is if you get your friends and relatives, and everybody has the same problem that if I if I go to them and try to preach to them, they just get angry. They they do whatever. But when you're running a a radio show like yours or doing a a TV, that's where I say disclosure is going to come. Is because people can secretly, they may be very skeptical on the outside, but they can secretly sit in their room, turn on the thing. Nobody knows they're listening to your show and and listen to it without being threatened. When you get in their face, it's like like being a, a preacher. You get in their face, they back away. But if they can indirectly listen to your show, hear this kind of stuff, or they hear somebody's going to be on your show or whatever, and they tune in just to see, and it, there's no nothing threatening, and it, at some point they come to the conclusion, well, you know, man, you know, this is kind of interesting, and they can secretly listen to your show, and they don't have to out themselves. So that's the way to get the disclosure, to get people moved, is to allow people to come to their own conclusion, to be able to listen in private, where you're not sort of preaching to them and uh, outing them, they, could, they can do it on their own. So I think you're, you're yeah. one of the most important people in, in the whole thing. And and when I talk to experiencers, Thank I say the so same much. thing, and it's almost the same as, as your radio broadcast type thing. If you realize that this is the most important story in, of all times, because it, it's got to do with reality, it's got to do with multiple lives, it's got to do with how, how the world actually works. If you understand the UFO thing and figure it out, you're going to understand how the world works, which is the most important thing that that we have. This is the Super Bowl. It's whether you're an experiencer or whether you're doing a, a, a radio show on this, this is the Super Bowl. You're in the Super Bowl. you got to play in this most important story of all times. I mean, two, I always tell people, make sure you journal what you're doing. Make sure you tell your story what you're doing. Because 2,000 years from now, everybody's going to say, man, it must have been something to be there when this was going on, when nobody believed the UFO thing. And these people all knew it was like living at the time of Christ or living at the time of the signing of the Constitution. They were there when it happened, and they knew before anybody else, and and they took the lead, and they they fought this thing, and they're the ones that, that, that brought this thing to the public, and everybody that's involved in this thing. I say it 's what yvonne calls they 're the the chosen these are the chosen right. people who have been chosen to release this story to bring it to the world and it 's the most important story and people should be honored to be involved in this to be given this role because I always tell people you could you say it might be a little bit tough at times, but you could have been born handicapped, you could have been born an untouchable in the in the streets of Calcutta. And uh, you could have been born a lot of things that have no interest. You got to play in the Super Bowl. You got to play in the biggest story of all times.
2: Well, this is so true. And it's just a profound relief that you're not alone. So we all have to keep talking, like Grant says. We've got to keep talking, keep coming out, and keep persistent. You know, and, yeah. and also, Grant, don't you feel that it's an extra hard inside job we have to do, too? It takes a lot of self-reflection that I've always had, but now it's even more intense I have to watch i don't want to harm anybody you know i don't i have to yeah. i don't want to harm myself i want to be positive i want to switch it up i am getting negative because you know i you waste too much time you know having to beef against everything
0: yeah yeah it is it's a hard job, but when i uh, i uh, the way I refer to this is I say you take a look at all the major Nobel prizes, whether you take a look at uh uh, Indira Gandhi, uh, Gandhi or you look at uh, Nelson Mandela spent 25 years in jail and Gandhi spent uh, you know, years in jail or Martin Luther King got shot in the head at 39 uh, the, the Silkwood case when shut down the, the, the nuclear catastrophe that was going on, all the poisoning of, of people with uh, nuclear plants and stuff like that with the Silkwood she died at 28 years old and everybody thinks that that it should be very easy. You just win the Nobel Prize and sit on the beach in Hawaii. And if you take a look at no. the people who have achieved the most in life, they've had the hardest lives. And, and we sort of look back and we say, oh, it must have been something to be uh, uh, Mother Teresa and this wonderful lady. And people don't realize she had four download experiences in 1946, 1947, that she was a party girl. She had no intention of doing this kind of crap. And she basically told Jesus <laughs> on the third one to Go to hell," she had. She said, "No way. Go and find somebody else. I do not want to do this." And he came back a fourth time. She had a fourth vision where he came back and he said, "Are you saying you're not going to do this?" And she said, "Okay, I'll do it already." And then she opened this (laughs) mission in 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 India in 1948 and went through her whole life and and had nothing. And now she's sort of honored as this woman. And we think it was an easy life, but everybody, there are no easy lives when it comes to achieving major things. You take a look at all the people who've won the Nobel prizes, especially for the Peace Prize. they have all people who have been in jail, they've been tortured, they've been uh, ostracized and stuff like that, and they hung with it and they hung with it. And in the end, they they end up becoming these these big figures in history that that everybody thinks it was an overnight success and they they just all happened. They don't realize that that they're really it, it's almost like the idea that if if. If it doesn't cause pain, if it isn't a uh, struggle, it isn't worth uh, working for, that the the real important things are going to require some struggle, as what's happened, as I said. If you look back on gay rights, uh, civil rights, uh, the, the ecology movement, women's right to vote, it was all struggles. It's not like people think that this happened overnight, that women just suddenly got the right to vote. They don't realize it went for 70 years. Hillary Clinton makes this speech all the time about the fact that it was not an overnight success, that you had to you know, protest and people ignored you and people thought you were crazy and they locked you up and stuff like that. And eventually, suddenly you got to this point of time where you hit the, 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 the peak where you raised the consciousness and suddenly everybody allowed it to happen, and then everybody thought, oh, it's always been like that. It, well, it hasn't been like that. It's it's just going to be a struggle for whatever it is, and you got to realize what you're doing. And and I always say you always got to remember that this is the most important story of all times and that we got to play in the game.
2: Wow. That's very encouraging. And uh, encourage people through the hard times, too, and don't give up. Because, you know, a lot of people are just thinking, well, I'm crazy and this and that, but no, we then are asked to join this phenomena that may have started so long ago, you know, and it's, yeah. it, it's complex, but the reward is the feelings that um, I have personally of well-being, of excitement about what's next, and uh, very non-boring. There's always something going on and something interesting happens, and then, you know, you think you know one thing one day, the next day you forgot that and went on to another level, you don't even know what you're doing. That's an all about neg- negativity or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah, and you also thing. have
0: this. Sure. And you also it. have the thing that you you've probably experienced as I have, and I, I mean I'm not really. I say experiencers are the most important people in the world because, as I said, you really can't tell anything by watching stuff fly around in the sky, you know, by what color it is, and how big it is, whatever. It's not until you talk to somebody who's been inside the craft, who's talked to the yeah. aliens that you can actually figure out what's going on. So I say experiencers are the most in, important people in the world, uh, but um, you you still have the uh, situations where uh, you get this, this good feeling by helping other people. And I, 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 yeah. I, I'm, very, I'm very interested in experiencers, but I'm really not an expert like Yvonne Smith. I mean, I don't do regressions. I don't do this kind of stuff. I just listen very carefully to what experiencers are, are saying and, and try to find... Things that are that are paralleled and 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 have answers to what I'm looking for, but I I now start getting phone calls from around the world, and I, I mean one guy from Long Beach, who phoned me had had seen that I had done, done some talk about this, and was totally. Petrified. I mean, he, he, he didn't know what was going on. Him and his brother had had these experiences since he was a child. He didn't know who to talk to. He said, Can I talk to you? I said, Yeah, you can talk to me. So I would talk to this guy. He phoned me like for two hours and he would ask this question, this question. And, and then I've got now I've got one from Great Britain of a guy who's getting downloaded all sorts of mathematical type stuff in his head. And he came to a lecture I gave in Leeds, England. And this guy hid in the background. And it was, if it hadn't been for one other guy, he never would have been introduced that he, he, had, he still didn't want to talk. And I said, you've got to talk. You've got to come out. You've got to start talking about what's happening. And then he started talking about getting downloaded this information. And now he's starting to open up, and he's starting to, to come out. So when you get into this thing where you are interacting with these people who are going through this traumatic time, as it usually always starts off very traumatic, that you feel mm-hmm. you're actually achieving something because you can see these people after you've talked to them a couple times where they calm down, they relax, And I always tell them the same thing. I say, you have to take personal responsibility for what has happened. You cannot play the victim. Forget about being the victim and doing the CNN thing about, you know, how I feel so bad and how terrible the world is and how unfair it is and stuff like that. It's like you were born handicapped. You were born poor. You were born whatever. You've got to take personal responsibility for what has happened. And you have to say, this has happened to me and you 've got to start talking, and you 've got to come out and i 've seen these people grow uh, and i 'm not really a, I'm like you 're doing counseling you know in in the mm-hmm. the, the prison program, whatever so you 're useless i 'm not really a counselor or whatever i 'm just trying to do as much as I can when someone phones me, even just to put them in contact with somebody in their area say i i got somebody in the area they 've been through this, they can talk to you, and so we 're building this this almost like the gay people to gaze yeah, the closets, the that gaze in
2: closets, we're, we're, we're making these groups.
0: Yeah, and and you see this thing where, where you, I don't know if you've ever been, you've been to Congress. So you, you take a look at Congress, and you yeah. see how this, huh. this zero idea has, has gone, where I've been to Congress for many, many years. And it started with a couple of people in the back room. And now I remember last year I went, and uh, this, this experiencer meeting takes place at 8 o'clock every morning and 8 o'clock in the morning is when nobody wants to, everybody wants to sleep in, they'd skip the first lecture or whatever, but you get all these experiencers who come to the, the Congress or, or go to Paula Harris's event like it's happening in the middle of the, this month in Laughlin, Nevada. People will come mm-hmm. just to come to the experiencer group, and, and they want to tell their story because they're with people. And I remember I went this year, and then the, the, we, we got there about five minutes later, whatever, and they said, well, you can't get in. And we said, what do you mean? They said, well, it's full. We said, What do you mean it's full? This is just standing room only. But there's a, there's a room down the hall, but it's full too. You can't get in that one. And I said, There's two rooms full of these people, and it's like wow. 150 people. And so we, we went in and we stood in the back of the room while this was going on. And you, you have these people, and, and as you, you've been in these experiencer groups, there's people crying, and there's people, and the, mm-hmm. uh, very emotional about what's happened to them. And they're sharing their story. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. They're there, and they're, they're with people, and nobody knows they're in the room. And uh, you, you, it's gone from a couple of people to 150 people every morning at eight o'clock, and then every night at seven o'clock, twice a day, where these people go and and they 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 tell their stories. And it was in that meeting where you're talking about this thing about about how tough it was, and that's where I I made this I first brought up this thing about the chosen, where the one woman was saying how tough it is and how you know you know this is unfair, or whatever, and she was going on. And I introduced myself, and I said, well, I just want to say that I, you know, because they said nobody cares about us. They're running this big conference with 1,500 people, and all they're worried about is the speakers, and all they're worried about is how it's going on. We're in this back room. Nobody cares about us. Nobody even knows what we're doing back here, which was partly true, that they are just running the conference. And I said, you've got to realize, I, I've been in a speaker at UFO Congress twice, and I'm in this room listening to you guys. Because I think you're the most important people in the world. And that's when I said, you are the chosen people. Uh, and people like me are running around listening to you. You people have the answer to this thing. And you better realize you're the chosen people. And you better figure out what you're supposed to be doing. And forget about, you know, being victims and all this kind of stuff. And they're all sort of sitting up in their chairs. And suddenly they realize, yeah, yeah that's, uh, I'll probably true. You know that.
2: So, so that you you see this he revolution needs, is taking helped. place. It is. It yeah. is. And it's, a, it's so encouraging. You know, it's a bomb for my soul. That's the way I feel right now. That everything you're saying is is so helpful to me because we gotta keep going, and it's uh, then the new ones are coming up. You know, I, I worry about them. Uh, at least we're here. You know, the OGs, we're here to welcome yeah. them. You know, but I I don't know how many young people are involved, but the ones that are coming up are, are, are freaking geniuses. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're smart. Yeah. And I recognize yeah, them right away. This, they have a sure. sweet, they have a sweet nature. But they're very smart, and they're, they're you know, grasping this. So they come into Syria all the time, and uh, they're be- not only beautiful in spirit, they're beautiful people, and they're smart as heck. And they're accomplishing yeah. really big, big things, you know?
0: Yeah. That's where you get these theories about the crystal children and all this kind of stuff yeah. where uh, this new generation, or or like, you know, um, uh, Dolores Cannon used to talk about the the, the different waves that we are one wave coming through and then the, the next wave will replace us and that this is all planned. And, and that is basically what it comes down to, to me, is this whole thing that this is a spiritual process. And I was influenced by a couple of things. I had, my one influence was this download experience I had in 2012 on Book Consciousness. The one I had was my UFO experience. My third big event that I had was sort of life-altering event was when I saw Dr. Michael Newton lecture at, at UFO Congress. And he's the guy that, that developed the theory for life between lives where he regressed 7,000 people and he goes between your lives where you have the the training and you plan your life. And so I I came into sort of the experiencer movement uh, understanding this concept that we probably, before we were born, pick our parents. We probably pick our, our lives and that like Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are but actors. They have their entrances and they have their exits and each man plays in many roles so we come before we're born, and we actually plan that you and I are going to do. Uh, you're going to put me on a radio show. You're going to have this radio show. I'm going to. We're going to go, go to zero. Y- Yvonne Smith's going to do this, mm-hmm. and everybody's doing this this play that we're we're running this mm-hmm. this whole scenario. And 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 so th- that's the way I look at this whole thing. That whether you're here to learn greed or envy or uh, things that you, that you have to learn in this life, this is our lesson. This is our, what we came here to do. That that as Mark Twain said, there are the, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born, and the day you find out why. And most people never yeah. even try to figure out why they're born. They have no idea. And so it comes down to three months before they die. The doctor says, you better put your life in order. You've got multiple cancer. You, there's no, nothing. You've got about three months to live. And then the person goes into a panic and screaming and yelling and how evil God is and why would he do this to me? And they start running around and trying to figure out what life's all about. And you and I are spent our whole lives doing this. And, and everybody wants to do something with their life. And I think we're sort of on the right path. So, if you just sort of let it go and just do yeah. what what it's sort of like bashar the 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 alien channeler guy always says, "Live life to your highest expectation with no uh no expectation of a positive result. Whatever excites you the most, whatever gives you the most value in life, just do it, do it, do it, and just keep going, and it, and everything will be put in front of you, which is what I've found has actually happened once you sort of stop fighting it. And you do what you think is right, and what excites you, and what you want to do, and what you think you're here for. Everything falls into place, and everything starts to move along, and 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 you get these synchronicities, and everything starts to work out.
2: The beautiful synchronicities. I mean, it's uh, it's such a great uh gosh, and uh, it's happening so much and so much every day that um, we're all just finding each other. And and if you if you find this happening to you, if, listeners, that if you uh, find your spot, find where you're getting the comfort, and find where uh, people are like-minded, because believe it, we're, we're very much different. You know, we all come from every different kind of walk of life. And by looking at us on the outside, you wouldn't think, where do they know, how do they know each other, you know what I mean? But we seem to all yeah. connect you know, in a very deep way. And then uh, we have to trust ourselves and trust our higher power to uh, just lean into it, you know. And that's what I've been doing. Sure. Instead of leaning away and fighting, just kind of lean into it and figure out what's going to happen. And it's and it's usually great. If it's bad, it's for your own good. That's yeah. what the smackdown yeah. too. So, you know, that, that hurts. But you come out of it learning, you know.
0: Yep. Yeah, sure. That, that's even the Bible talks about the asking, and, asking, and, uh, seeking. You shall find. Knocking the door shall be opened right. unto you. Uh, you basically, once you start going down that, and you uh, don't really have the expectation that it's got to work out positively or whatever, that you're just going to do what you think is right and and what excites you, then it all comes together, and you do have these these, these relationships which people on the outside, like your friends and relatives, who are criticizing. You really don't realize because I got the criticism. And they said. Well, you're sort of like a loner. You don't have any friends. I said, I don't have any friends. Let wow. me tell you, I can go. I can go to any state in the United States, and I can go to any city, and I know somebody in that city. I can phone them up and say, I'm in the city, right. and it'll be like good old times. Like and that's what happens when you if you go to Congress or you go to uh, Paul Harris's events or whatever. Uh, You see these people, everybody's hugging and it's like, uh, you know, just it's like old times. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's in the same sort of boat. It's just an amazing uh, friendship of hundreds of people all over the world that were that I know that uh, I know if I were in your city or if you were in my city and you had something you needed, you were in trouble, you would be helped. You have these people all over the world that that this sort of like a giant family of people who are linked together by this common element of uh, experiences UFOs uh, and uh it's a very very strong bond and it's almost like the bond is is no longer with your family because they've sort of ostracized yeah. you and sort of put you to the side right. it's this is your new family where where people understand you and uh where people are positive and they're talking about things rather than people who aren't in the room and gossiping and stuff like that and you just you just feel like you you you're excited to be around these people.
2: It is this is de- this is a definite like like running into Chris So. I mean, it's, he's yeah. my brother, you know, from another yeah. mother or something like that. Because we have a very similar story, and a lot of mine is wrapped in religion and spiritual experiences, and a lot like Chris's. And, uh, yeah. and he has like a phenomenal thing going on over there. It's just it's incredible. But he's also been blessed, like we've all. Okay, so whatever we think was taken away, of what we used to think we are, that was one of them. that was taken away. Whoever I thought I was, I'm not anymore. And that's kind of a spooky place to be if you're stuck there too long. But then I found uh-huh. out where I belonged, and he—he's like an awesome artisan gardener. All of a sudden, like when did that happen? It just happened. <laughs> he
3: wasn't
2: yeah, always yeah. like that. Sure. You know. And
0: he's—he's one of—he's one of the examples of people like like I, I sort of point out where people will say, oh, this is negative. I mean, evil aliens and stuff like this. I said, look, when it happens, it may appear negative. If you start looking at it and put it through a positive filter instead of a negative filter, then it all changes. And Chris Bledsoe is the prime example. When this happened to Chris Bledsoe, when he had his awakening experience in January mm-hmm. of 2007... If you know his story, you know that he sat in a room for 10 months, and he did not talk to his wife. And he was not allowed to talk to his children about what had happened to him. And he would sit and stare out the back window, and his wife locked him up in, a, in an insane asylum. And his wife left him for three weeks, and his life came apart. This was, I mean, he was a Pentecostal. He was a deacon in the Pentecostal church. I mean, his whole life, he said he had four to 500 people working for him. Nobody would talk to him again. He had to make all new friends. He was totally ostracized. Yeah. His life had come apart. He couldn't believe it. And you talk to him now. Once he had the 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 regression,
1: oh.
0: once he got around people, now he's out. He's going to save the world. I mean, it's like oh, you can't shut the guy up. So he and that's why I say to people that it. You look at the event, and if you put the event through a negative filter, which we do because we're trained to by CNN to see everything as negative. Everybody's evil. Everybody's right, out right. to get us. Survival, survival of the fittest. Everybody's going to try to, to to get you so so you put it through a negative filter when when the experience first happens you put it through that negative filter and you say these are evil aliens we should kill them all and we should break their little necks or whatever and uh once you start understanding what's going on suddenly you have the thing where chris has where suddenly he thinks it's like a religious experience and 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 he's here to to get this message to the world and he's got this big Warner brothers movie coming out now and suddenly mm-hmm. he's he's sort of the guy that's that's carrying the very positive message So he went from very negative to very positive. And I think everybody, it just depends what kind of filters you have. Everybody has emotional energy. And you put the emotional, if you put your emotional energy through negative filters, everything is going to be negative. If you put it through positive filters, you're you're going to have love. The other way, you're going to have fear. And that's why you have people who are, you can have the same experience, the same people, very positive people, very negative people. You can have the same experience. Where the UFO experience, some people see it as very negative, some people see it very positive. And the prime example of that, as I always use, is life itself. If you say aliens are evil and you have all these explanations, okay, because of this, because of that, because of this. What about life itself? Is life evil? Is life evil? And people will say, no, it's not evil. And so some people say it's an absolutely fantastic time. I mean, uh, life is great, whatever. And yet you have 37,000 people in the United States every year that life is so bad. It is so terrible. It is worse than being abducted. It is worse than anything. It is so bad that they kill themselves. It's the same life, same experiences, same life. Some, and depends if you put it through a negative filter, you're going to see life as evil and you're going to kill yourself. If you put it through a positive filter, you're going to be like Satchmo Armstrong saying, what a beautiful world and singing this song about how it is. So it's, it's how we put, it's the same energy. We all have emotional energy. We, it just depends whether you're putting it through a positive or a negative filter.
2: And uh, it's almost that uh, you know it's such a personal thing because the struggle is within. You have to struggle yeah. with yourself, and you're the one fighting yeah. the good and the bad. It's all it's all inside of us, and uh, there might That's be right. pressure from the outside. But we have, as, as you said, had to alter our way of thinking and who's with, with us and who's against us. And there's a lot of people against. Well, then when you find your family. It's hallelujah. Really, it's just like uh, Eureka or something like that. Because I have found people that I don't have to explain talking about it because it's like sharing a new experiences and all all the old stuff that happened and how we got here and the synchronicity of it all, that we end up knowing each other somehow. Oh, yeah, I meant you back in, 20 years ago. and Like, look where we're at now. But what I'm saying is it's all for a higher good. Don't give yeah. up. Don't kill yourself. Because at times, I think you, if when, especially the part, like you talked about Christopher and this has happened to me too, that you're in that room by yourself. You know, that's yeah. when people off themselves because they really can't see a solution. You've got to plod through it, plod through it. Sometimes it's plodding. You barely walk. Yeah. You've got to go through it because the other side, okay, I had this dream, and this is a recent dream. I had this dream that I was walking down this long uh, hallway and it was sort of yeah. it was so industrial. It was just a bay tall wall, cement walls and so it was a big hallway and I think there was people behind me but it seemed as, as if I was on a uh, um like a trick of some kind. And I was getting tired. I kept I was going along and I remember my legs hurt and I was like getting tired. I kept saying that, how long is this gonna take? I'm tired. And yeah. then this man was in front of me He was walking backwards and he's waving me forward. He said, Come on, just a little farther, just a little farther I said, come on, I've been on this road so long, and I'm tired, I'm in pain, and, you know, getting old, it was like that. I was complaining and doing this stuff, so he said, keep coming, little father, he's real happy. Keep coming. Yep. So I kept coming, and I turned around a corner, and oh, my God, that's what I said when I saw it, it was paradise. Beautiful, wow. beautiful mountains and lakes, and everything was glowing and shiny, and it was so beautiful that I said, oh, my God, out loud, and it woke me up saying, oh, my God. I want to encourage everybody to yeah. keep going. Even though it looks like yeah. dry cement walls, they're never going to get through it. But you've got to keep marching on, no matter what happens, whatever's thrown at you. we have got to encourage yeah. people because there's so much negativity. Our politics is so screwball. You know what I mean? I don't even, I don't even know what I am anymore. <laughs> we, have the, we have to do the UFO party now. <laughs> what with that? No, they don't want anything to do with this. But anyway... You know, it's uh, the world is not going to save you. You've got to save each other. That's the point.
0: Exactly. That's what people, that's the problem is people are waiting for a messiah. They're playing the victim. That's why when I talk to experiences, when I get phone calls from these people out of the blue, the first thing I say is do not be a victim, take responsibility for this thing. If you're a victim you're going down. You you cannot play the victim yeah. role. You have to take responsibility for this thing. And that's what we do in life is we 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 play ourselves as victims and then we want someone to save us. And that's where the election comes from that everybody every 4 years gets hooked into this thing that they believe, oh, "Okay, Obama is going to be the Messiah. He's going to save us. He's going to he's going to bring disclosure. He's going to bring us uh, 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 pure no no more war, going to put everybody back to work, it's whatever." Never and they gonna suck it like in. That. Exactly. Yeah, That's I what know, happens. But people it's believe that. They, they convince
1: people.
0: Sure. They well, believe, they, people believe that believe in the end. They. don't
2: going to save us like that. I, I believe yeah. in the Messiah. I believe He's coming. But in the meantime, yeah. we better get a grip because I think subconsciously we know where we're going wrong. We're being dependent. Instead of independent yeah. and interesting and be yourself because we're all created different and bring your stuff to the table, bring your truth yeah. and reality. Even the weirdo sure. stuff, bring it to the table because that keeps us interesting and we're gonna know that when the the Messiah does come. What did you do yeah. while you were here? Did sure. you really yeah, that, it? That's Sure,
0: it, it always it always comes down to you and and, and the way you live you, you live your life. That you are you are the person that, that has to deal with what it is. There's nobody who's gonna come and solve all your problems. So that's why you, you can't be the victim. You can't say, Well, you know, this is beyond me and I need someone to bail me out or whatever. You can solve. You have the resources to solve it yourself. You just have to change the attitude, put it through Mm -hmm. positive filters instead of through negative filters. And that's one of our jobs in this field, whether you're doing a radio show or whether whether you're lecturing like I do or writing – Is to encourage people that you have the resources to do this, and that you're getting a lot of help. And I, one of the manuscripts I wrote, and I think it's one of my most important manuscripts, is this one about inspiration. That that a lot of what we think is happening randomly is not. A lot of the inventions we get are people were helped with. That they were downloaded. They were given these ideas. And you even have experiences like uh, we tell the one it's called the third man experience where in a lot of cases where mountaineers will talk about this or people who are in accident situations where they get help. And one of the stories was the last person to come out of the South Tower in the 9-11 disaster, the last person to come out was a guy who clearly tells about the fact that he was given help by some unknown person at the 89th floor, and this guy told him, go down, keep going, keep going, and there was fire, and he said, no, go, 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 and then when he got down, he turned around, and and this person was gone, and this is called the third man experience, where a lot of people will report getting help from somebody, and if you ask for help, there's all sorts of spirit guides, there's all sorts of people, there's all sorts of uh, otherworldly entities, whether it's aliens, or spirits, or angels, or whatever, who will help you do? You just have to ask for the help. You've got to take responsibility for the situation you're in, and it is you that saves yourself. It's you that, that, that turns it all around. And what happens is people are sitting there waiting for someone. They play the victim, say, I can't do this. I need someone to come and rescue me. And they spend their whole life just sitting there waiting to be rescued. People have the resources to do it. They have the – and part of our job is to play those role experiences and keep people encouraged, keep people going, and help people to get around to the position like Chris was, where he goes from sitting in a room for ten months to uh, running around with this message and helping other people, and very positive, and thinks uh, this is uh, the best thing that's ever happened to him.
2: Yeah, uh, he's just a, such a perfect example of of the way that uh, I think that he that he is purposefully an answer. You know what I mean? We have to watch and see what he does and, uh, and see the transformation, and it's fabulous, you know. And I, and it makes you feel bad that, you know, we have to suffer so much. But that's that's how we get rendered. You know, we get hit with a hammer until we turn into something. Usually it's yeah. gold. You know, if you yeah. but if the hammer hurts, you don't want to feel it, but if you going to go one way or another. If you're supposed to go, you're going to be going fipping and screaming, or you can actually kind of join it, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad yeah. you're encouraging
0: everybody. So, Chris, uh, uh, Mr. Grant, what's coming up? Uh, I'm in doing the, the big uh, le- lecture in Laughlin, Nevada. I'm doing for Paula Harris. She has uh, George Norry's going to be there, and a number of uh, speakers. Uh, that's I think the 14th, 15th, 16th in Laughlin, Nevada, and that that's uh, a place I really love. It's one of my Favorite places in the world because it's where UFO Congress used to be held before it moved to uh, Phoenix. It's right on the Colorado River on the Arizona-Nevada border. It only has about yeah. thirteen casinos, but it's small, very very cheap. You know, twenty-five dollars a night for a hotel room. And oh, a beautiful awesome. place. So we have for three days there. Uh, Paul is putting this event on, and uh, it, it's going to be a big thing. And then on the Monday, I'm, I'm lecturing the Sunday morning, like not this Sunday, but the Sunday after, uh, at the the I think it's the Aquarius casino there, and um, then on the Monday, I'm lecturing in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, <coughs> I have uh, these these manuscripts that I'm trying to put out, because what I've done is uh, I've spent a lot of time lecturing, s- a lot of time doing radio talk shows, and I've got all these books that I've sort of drafted this manuscript and drafted this manuscript, and uh, I've got um, some people helping me now to get this out, because I sort of look at it like... Um, I've done all this stuff. I've sort of encouraged other people and I haven't really done it myself that I've got all these manuscripts and I figure I'm just going to put it out. I'm going to self-publish this stuff just to get it out, not to make any money or to do anything, but just because mm-hmm. if I were to die tomorrow, um, my son really is not interested. And so all the work I've done my whole life will just go for nothing. All, all this stuff that I've written up. So I have maybe, well, six, maybe seven books that of stuff that I've really not written, that I'm, I'm just going to get out, put out. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that and doing my lecture type stuff where I, I go around and uh, do my lectures, which is very important to me because it always helps me sort of uh, formulate the ideas. It's when, same as when you do a radio show, you've got a sort of researcher guest, and that's when you learn the most, is when you actually have to go through that. Uh, as I always tell my kid, God created pain for a reason. And if you go along with the pain and you realize that, that uh, the more pain, the more you, you go through the struggle, the, the better it is. That instead of just sitting around waiting for it to happen. So um, I, I have gone through all this kind of stuff where uh, I'm just going to get it out, put some material out, and uh, then sort of uh, see where it goes from there. But as I said when, I, when the show started, to me the amount of material that's coming to me is It's just astronomical, I mean it's just like everything fits together once I got onto this consciousness thing uh it's like a, a waterfall and steroids the you know, the ideas and stuff I don't get like you do, I don't get the direct dreams, but I get a lot mm-hmm. of sort of download type experiences where uh I'll be going along and suddenly uh I'll be having coffee and all of a sudden boom something will pop into my head and I'll have to run uh, get my computer, open the computer, and put a slide in a in a projection in a in a sli- in a uh presentation where okay an idea will come to put this in the presentation so I'll take it and and so I go through a lot of that where I'm getting sort of like these uh indirect ideas so I always have to have a pen and a piece of paper with me as I'm going around because most downloads most inspirations will come when you're not thinking about it it'll come like uh, two Nobel, Nobel prizes that came with guys sitting on park benches where there's where they're they do all the work and they're researching they can't get anywhere and then they're sitting on a park bench one was the guy that invented the uh the the laser was sitting on a park bench and all of a sudden, boom, the whole idea for the laser just popped into his head and everything came instantaneously. So, um, I always carry a pen, but I don't have the sort of direct, uh, experiences like, uh, Experiencers have. And I've always said to people, yeah. I said, you know, I'd like, to ha- I'd like to have an alien talk in my head. And they said, no, you don't. You don't want that. And I no. said, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> just, just
0: one time, just one time I'd like someone to talk in my head. Because I don't have those kind of experiences. I've had very close up UFO experiences where I had one where I was actually going to jump on the thing. I mean, I've had very right. close, but I haven't had any sort of mental interaction. I've had this sort of indirect thing. But that's the way it is. It's like whatever's been, whatever's given to you, you go with. So every, you've got yeah. your your role, which is probably radio talk shows and doing Mm -hmm. that thing. And I've been given my role and everybody's got their role and it's to do as much as you can, as fast as you can to, to move it along and not really try to decide whether it's right or wrong. That to sort of believe that you're getting sort of led and that you're being helped along to do what, what is right that you just open yourself up as I describe it. It's like, you've got to see yourself as a blind person on a horse and wherever the horse is going, that's where we're going. You don't try to tell the horse where to go because you're blind. You just say, okay, wherever we're going, we're going. And that's when things right. will start to come together.
2: Well, it's, and it's fun, and it's feeding you as a human being. Our spirits are being fed. You know, and I think that's yeah. why we're happy to see each other because uh, it's actual that real nourishment of the spirit that we need. I mean, because the world is so, so lacking in hope and inspiration and trying something new. And uh, you notice if you watch the animals, and I think things are strange going on in the animal world. I'm just going to bring this up just because I just noticed how prevalent it's getting. Is that interspecies fun is happening in the animal world? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got a, a fox falling, falling in love with a chicken, and uh, you know what I mean? A dog will be walking <laughs> around the elephant their best peeps, and cats hatching ducks. I It's, it's going fast, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I think this is <laughs> I don't know if you notice it, but I, I notice the animal world. But to me, it gives me such a, a thrill that people are laying down the weapons, you know, and the claws being laid down, you know, and they're picking yeah. up some kind of strange little love going on. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, it's very peculiar to me, but uh, I notice yeah. it's going on. If the animals can dare to make a friend, at a, what's, the, what's one of the strangest things I've seen lately? This is very odd. A bird, a magpie, actually playing and rolling on the ground with a puppy. And when I was watching, I was thinking, that magpie is actually laying on its back. And they were, you know, dog's kick. Well, it was kicking like a dog. And they were kicking, fighting, playing on their sides. I just never saw a bird allow itself to be that comfortable around what would be a predator, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange.
3: Interesting, interesting.
2: But anyway. It is, but there's something going on I think we're supposed to learn from it. Just uh, people are different. Not everybody's going to be the same and great about that because we all have, like I say, we have something to teach each other. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading more of your books and your essays and please get them out there so we can know where to order from and get them and learn from them.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I, I just, that's where I sort of look at is, um, you know, what do I need to do or what do I need to sort of um, cause you, you know, you and I, we've been in it probably a while and you sort of realize like you're, you're not getting any younger. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really think I'm very positive in terms of the UFO field compared to where I was before that. I actually think we figured it out. Uh, I, when I, when I, when I had my first UFO experience, um, I was very close the first two times. And, um, so I was very sort of, uh, fell off the edge of the world into the UFO rabbit hole. And I remember I tried to get the book published. I, what I did is this town was being inundated for about two years with these UFO sightings. And then the, they just went away. It was like the CIA took the drugs out of the water. They just went away, and they'd never come back. So I, I went and everybody in the town. And it was like uh, I've seen the manuscript. Now I had to change all the names in the manuscript. There's about 200 people in this manuscript, 200 names. And um, basically, um, nobody would publish the book. The local publisher said, Mr. Cameron, you may believe in this kind of stuff. Count me among the unbelievers. And basically, just told me to get lost. And I I sort of just got frustrated. I said, well, it's a waste of time, this UFO sighting stuff. And all I was interested in, this is in 1975, all I was interested in is finding the answer to what had I seen. What was it that I experienced that night? And there had to be somebody, whether it's the president, the intelligence agencies, the government, somebody had to know what was going on. And I spent my whole life just chasing that answer. What did I see? And an answer for me. And I firmly believe that if I were to die tomorrow that I firmly believe I got the answer to what I was looking for. I think, I now, I think I've understood it, and I understand what's going on now. And I think a lot of people in the UFO community, when it comes to this consciousness and how quantum physics fits in and how reality fits in and all this kind of stuff, I think we're basically on the final road. We've, we understand how this thing works, how UFOs fit into reality, how it fits into consciousness how it fits into reincarnation, how it fits into the world. I'm very convinced that, that we are on the right track. We are, And a lot of the UFO community will say, you know, it's all a big mystery. We don't know what's going on. And I go, like, give your head a shake. They don't even go there because they want to play the scientific role. Like, we want to be skeptical. They want to, to be like, yeah. But, and, 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 but it in we know. putting
2: box. How can you be so stupid? They're putting it in yeah. a little small box. I don't Right away, fearful people that are fearful the other way I mean they get more and more conservative, and they want to put it back in a box, man, it's out of the box.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and so it's it's a matter of developing a theory that you may not be 100% right in your theory, but you get the theory which develops right. the next theory, which develops the next theory. But to go back to square one and say we don't know what's going on is like is absolute insanity. That's and I always quote fair. the document. I say... People say there's no, we want disclosure, we want the government to reveal. And I always just show the the 1950 Canadian government document, top secret document. They don't deny it exists. It says flying saucers are real. It's the most highly classified subject in the United States. And that mental phenomena is involved with the saucers. They've known yeah. everything since the word go. They knew the mental phenomena was a part before it, abductions, before uh, people who were contactees came forward. The Canadian government had any top-secret documents saying mental phenomena was part of this phenomena. And we've known right from the word go, and nobody's going to tell me. We don't know what's going on. There's been disclosure since 1950. The government has basically said it's for real, and it's the most highly classified subject, and it has all these aspects that they, they want to cover up. So you can, you know, control people's minds and mind control and stuff. So they, they know all these implications of, of the, the mental phenomena and stuff. But basically, we know what's going on, and it's time to forget about all that stuff and put it together and help people live their lives and sort of save the world and do whatever we got to do, why they're here, figure out why they're here and what we're supposed to do to help.
2: That's right. And you can see Grant in person at the Star Wars Conference held at the Aquarius Hotel in Laughlin, Nevada. And that is hosted by Paula Harris, November 14th, 15th, and 16th. And you'll see Grant Cameron live. And bring your stuff, cameras, so you get signed and in. And come and buy his stuff. And Yvonne Smith is going to be there. And it's at www.starworksusa.com. And that's where you can see Grant live. So, uh, congratulations yeah. and um still be inspired you're leading us and helping us along and I really 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 appreciate you being on tonight and I appreciate the work you're doing you're you're really a comfort to me and other experiences. I want to thank you, Grant.
0: Okay, thank you and I I appreciate the work you're doing. I think it's it's extremely valuable work. You're you're getting the message out and uh I think you're one of the key people in this this thing to uh move this, this this thing along and get an answer to what's actually going on.
2: You're, you know, you're very welcome. You can always refer people to me, and I can refer people on to you that are local to me. So if you need any help over here, if I'm in Southern California, you know, I'm. you're very welcome to call me or contact me anytime, okay?
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You I really night. appreciate your interest in what I'm doing.
2: Okay. Thank you, Grant. Take care. Thank you for being on the Paranormal Home the Thank you. Take care.
1: Thank Good you. Good night. Good night.
2: So everyone, oh, I'm just um overwhelmed by this show and the Grant Cameron and everything he's done for to help us. It's, it's just so amazing. And again, I'm gonna tell you where to find him. It's at Star Wars Conference so at the Aquarius Hotel, in Laughlin, Nevada. And then uh, November 14, 15, and 16, Yvonne Smith is gonna be there too. And you can get more information. As he said, there's like a lot of cheap rooms there, and that's one thing to keep in mind. And I forgot all about that. But anyway. Head out over there if you can. Uh, let's say it's com and I'm going to uh, read over uh, our events again. I just need a little time to do this. So the big deal right now going on at this moment, you know, in Arizona near Salt Lake, where the incident with Travis Walton happened, you know, he's having the first annual, uh, uh, it's called F- Skyfire Summit, and it's at www. WSkyFireSummit.com and uh, it's November 7th to November 9th so they're still there this weekend so get over there, it's Travis Walton, Peter Robbins Richard Dolan, Stan Friedman Chris O'Brien, Tom Lee, Kathleen Martin Tracy Tomei I've seen so many of these people and I can't tell you how fascinating they are so if you can go, please go and then go to the SkyFire Summit and Travis is doing this televised thing so if you can get a hold of that link I don't have that link, you can actually watch it uh, televised live, and I, that would be what w- I think that would be wonderful. They did that at all the conferences. Okay, for so the local peeps, VFW presents Veterans Day Ball, and these people do it upright. Food Entertainment Fun, the address is 303 East Palmer Street, Compton, California, 90221. Contact Antoinette at 562 794 4650. Go to support our veterans, and it's uh, a local sister of VFW Post, and I'm at the Gardena Post, and when we all get together, boy, we have a blast. So they know how to do it right, and beautiful dinner, dancing, and food, and there's an open bar and everything else. So I want you to do that. tomorrow night at 5 p.m., and there's lots of things going on, and then, of course, the Serial Support Group is at Huntington Beach this time, November 23rd, and also saving money, as we are, and we're all going to be heading out to the Queen Mary. Uh, I'm not going to go the haunted rooms, but they have a beautiful dinner there. I'm always afraid to go to any other room, but where we we'll eat dinner that's December thirteenth this year, so get ready for that. And it's at seven p m so if you work Saturdays, which i do it's a good it's have a great time so I can get over there and be there on time so uh please contact w w d w w w zero com The dinner is about sixty three bucks. And also, we have a gift exchange, which is a lot of fun. And have your gift at least be $25, $30, so uh, you can be generous for Christmas to the loved ones there. We all dress up. We hang out together. It's a lot of laughs. So I think that's all our announcements for tonight. And I want to just thank you again. And uh, just follow us. So we're here every Friday at 6 p.m. to the Standard Time. And now, for next week, next Friday, we have an amazing guest. And she's into the paranormal and the phenomena and has written many books on the subject. She's going to come and talk to us. She's also another radio show host. It's S.J. Wells. She'll be here next Friday, 6 Pacific Standard Time. I just want to let you know that thank you so much for being here. We're learning this together. Never give up. Just keep going. Keep going. Don't give up on life. Don't just keep trying, okay? Follow the link to contact me, or you can leave a message if you like to be part of our show or general help and assistance. If you want to write me, you know you can. Reach me, at Citizen McCain, at hotmail.com. If you want to do slow snail mail Sean McCain, PO Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California 90254, and just you can reach us on Facebook. for so, the paranormal and the sacred, and just join us there. So I just want to say once again, thank you for your patience and your love, and I feel it, and I I really appreciate Grant Cameron. All he has to say. Share, and he, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know. He's got so many interesting things to bring forward. So please get his books and go watch him at lecture. And, of course, this show is our so you can listen to it again and share it with your friends. And I want to thank you all in chat for being there, patient, and listening. And the paranormal sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your family and friends. God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true, and may true love live in your heart. And I can't tell you how much you mean to me. This has been a real experience, and you're the ones that are helping me get better and better. Thank you. Bye bye. I took my love, took it down. So oh. to let you know, Stevie Nicks is going to be in Southern California at the Forum. Can you believe this? Friday, 11, 28, 2014 at 8 p.m. And you get tickets everywhere, but she's going to be at the Forum. That's in Inglewood, California. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from where I am. And we love Stevie Nicks. So uh, get over there to the Forum and watch Sweetwood Mac. Thank you.
3: Don't you love an extra
2: $100 in your pocket?